without really talking about it, the um, wonderful teaching team for this uh, session basically, you know, talked about love in different ways in each talk. And I think the reason that happened was because that is the point. Not talking about something that is uh, heard on the radio, not talking about a kind of love that wants something or needs something in return, or that will only give that love if it is first, you know, uh, loved first. Matter of fact, you know, there's a saying, a very famous saying that says, a bodhisattva hugs first. Gives the first. So I'm not talking about that kind of love that, you know, is codependent and it collects, you know, people, saves people, or there's so many variations of a kind of love that is, um, that's interesting. I was going to say what popped in my mind is more hurtful than not, because there's a object, separation. So I'm talking about a kind of love that's unconditioned, that is not waiting to be confirmed by anybody, that in its pouring out doesn't need anything in return. Uh, We all know this place. (laughs) When I was when I was in uh, Mississippi in '64, there were two people I really greatly admired, who um, I felt anyway were reflections of this of what I'm talking about. One of them was um, Bob Moses, and the other one was Fannie Lou Hamer. Uh, for me, Bob was, uh, you know, kind of like uh, this embodiment of, of righteousness. His clarity was amazing about what was uh, needed to happen in that situation, and Fannie Lou Hamer was uh, like a. Uh, like a, uh, a um, like a crackerjack, yeah, who I felt anyway was was um, unerring in her ability to understand justice. She was the one who um, led really the Mississippi Democratic Party that went to Atlanta at the end of that. Oh, interesting who at the end of that summer tried to seat the the Mississippi Democratic Party instead of the the Democratic Party representatives from Mississippi that represented not everybody in that state, right? (coughs) But really what struck me about both of these people was that something else (laughs) was going on there was a, in, in, to me anyway, this is what I 
saw what I imagined to be, they were connected with a very, very deep kind of love. I don't believe that they created ever. I never saw Bob get angry. Their, their ability, that's what I think, their ability to do what they did had to come from a place of deep, deep love. I don't know where that strain comes from, if not that. It was not about right and wrong, even though that was clear. It was not even about good and bad. It was about love. So when a person uh, comes from that kind of place or is aligned with that kind of place, when separation happens, it hurts. Our job is to practice on the edge of where we create that separation. And the more aligned we are with that place, the more difficult it is to separate. So here is a really silly example that happened to me yesterday, or maybe the day before when I, when I got my own food. When was that? Yesterday? Yesterday? It happened yesterday. So I, I um, <laughs> you guys had already eaten. I mean, not eaten. You'd already gotten your food. You were waiting patiently to eat. And uh, I went to the table where the plates are and the forks and knives and everything. And then you bow in appreciation, you know. You bow. So I did my bow, a little bit too fast. I think I got into trouble because I was going a little, a little too fast. And I went to the plates and I bowed. And I saw that the plate that I was bowing to was chipped. And I had a thought. (laughs) Chipped plate. (laughs) The plate was not good enough for me (laughs) to use. And in that moment, I I misaligned. I separated from the plate. I didn't respect the plate. It's not that I couldn't see it's a plate, not a fork or a spoon. It's a plate. But I made a separation. I couldn't see in that moment that it was the whole universe, the clay of the earth, the fire of the kiln, the fire of the sun, the person who made it, the people who put it on that table. And in that crack is hell. It happens in that crack. <laughs> so for that moment, really, I could feel myself. It was a really strange feeling. I had stopped the whole flow of life, the simplicity of life. is mostly really simple. You know, you just respond to what's happening. That flow of life was like screeching halt. And I was stuck. 
It's funny. So, um, when we think about love, I think most people think that what we feel, you know, when people kind of come and talk about how they're in pain sometimes and they don't have someone necessarily to love them or they're not loved in the way they can feel loved, no smiling, right? (laughs) Or they, what's happening is you want to be loved, right? That's our desire. We want to be loved. We want to be seen. We want to be known. All of that's true. But I don't think that's what we really want. I don't. What I think is, is that we want to be love. We want to be able to feel the openness, the wideness, the connectivity, the intimacy. We want the heart as open and as big as it can get. That's what we want. We don't want to be loved. We want to be love. So, the way this uh, gap is created is when we believe concepts, when we believe our thoughts. So, when I was in, uh, when I was one time at Hokyoji with Katagiri, he had invited, he invited this person who's called Ikko Narasaki Roshi. I think I've told you about him before. He was a person who was almost going to be the abbot of Eheji. He was that renowned and that actually beautiful a man, just a beautiful man. And he came to teach us about Dogen. And he mentioned concepts in what he was saying. And I was, <laughs> this is how, this is how, how can I, this is how, um, what can I say? This is how dumb, actually, <laughs> I have always been about this practice. You know, <laughs> I didn't even understand what concepts were that he was talking about. I mean, really, think about it. So finally, during this thing, I was beginning to understand, oh, concepts, I I get it. And then I began to see them all over the place. Concept over here and a concept over there, and and I was so excited. So so I went to him and took a sign, and I said, I said said to him, you know, I'm really understanding about concepts. I see concepts here, and I see concepts there, and this, that, and the other thing. And he was listening like they do. (laughs) And then he said, then he said, oh, concepts, don't be bothered by them. (laughs) So here's a story. This is all going to point to separation, right? Um, A monk asked Zhao Zhou, Zhou Shu, 
Joshua is uh, a reveal. I shouldn't. I shouldn't do that. I should just tell you the story. <laughs> Here's the story, Joshua. Okay, uh, pithy remarks. Forget it. Okay, a monk asked Joshua, uh, "What is the truth? What is the meaning of all of this?" And Joshua replied, "The cypress tree in the garden." The monk responded, "Teacher, this is a pretty good monk." Teacher, please don't use an object for your answer. <laughs> Good, isn't it? That was great. Joshu says, I am not using an object. The monk asked again, Then what is the meaning of all this? And Joshu says, Guess. No, I, he didn't say guess. <laughs> Can anybody guess? John? Yes. That's why, that's why we need John. How many of you were going to not raise your hand? Right? <laughs> Mel, a long time ago, I did another tab. The mind is horrible. Horrible. <laughs> So I said, Mel, the people who know Mel, you know, Mel is like that, you know. <laughs> so I said, Mel, and I don't even mind where. <laughs> so cute. <laughs> so this is the this is the koan he gave. He's a great koan. He said, "Can you show me love without an object?" It's a great koan. The reason I'm talking about love in this way is because I really believe deeply that the precepts, the way we study the precepts in Zen, is the practice, is what Zen uses to develop this kind of love. To me, the precepts are a practice about love because they're always pointing to this when we make this separation. You cannot disobey. That's a terrible way of saying this. You cannot um, uh, you can't not do be, you cannot um, act in a way that is not in alignment with the precepts without making that separation. That's why I think the precepts for us are so important, for lots, actually, of reasons. Because they come from Buddha's mind of this truth, of this reality. They're not rules imposed on our behavior. They come out of our own deepest reality. And they're reminding us all the time, back in alignment, back in alignment, back in alignment, embody what you already know you want to be, what you are fundamentally, this wholeness. And whenever we act from a place that is not reflective of that, it hurts. And we cover it up and rationalize it and lots of other things. But it's telling us something all the time. 
remember what we are. We are this wholeness that manifests as love. All right, now I will skip to the last. Oh, I want to tell you one other thing. Um, It is called, do I have to tell you this? Uh, maybe, maybe helpful. It's called Zaike Tokudo. Lay ordination is called Zaike Tokudo. The Zaike part means lay person. I'm not sure what the toku means, but do in this case means two. It means two different things. As a noun, it means like a yardstick, a measurement. Could be a rudder. And as a yes. And as a verb, it means crossing over, right? So it means the title of lay ordination means some kind of way of, measuring is a hard word, but measuring your behavior in a way that if it's in alignment, it helps you cross over. That's what it means. It's terrific. And people today, later in the afternoon, will be vowing to live in that way. So, here's two other things that I want to say. I was going to read you Bodhisattva Vows. I was going to, oh, I like this card. If you indulge me just a little bit more. Um, this is a saying that the Buddha said when he started to teach. He said, It was when I saw the pain of the people in this world and their desire to be free that I decided to teach the way. Good? So that's us, right? You share whatever dharma you understand, whatever embodiment you can be to hold out your hand to the next person. That's what we do. (laughs) So here's the last... uh, last koan. I really like this koan. Partly I really like this koan because this name of this man is the favorite name of the ancestors. His name is Nanyue. Isn't that a great name? Nanyue. <laughs> oh, and I wanted to say one other thing. When Katagiri was at Tassajara, you know, when you enter this room, you bow at the door when you come in, unless you're in a <laughs> procession or working. Otherwise, when you come into the room, you bow. Gosho bow. Thank you very much. So Katagiri did that when he entered the room. But also, when he left the zendo, he bowed. Because when we leave this practice area, the practice doesn't stop. As a matter of fact, it's advanced practice out there. So he he acknowledged that when he left. He did lots of little things like that, kind of throwaway things in a way that you wouldn't even notice unless you were devoted to him and watching everything he did. 
So here's the koan. Nanyue went to the sixth ancestor, Huineng, who asked Nanyue, where are you from? Innocent enough. And Nanyue said, from Songshan. And Huineng said, what is it that thus comes? And Nanyue couldn't answer. So he decided that Huineng was his teacher. <laughs> and he stayed with him for, for a long time, actually. But for the next eight years, he opened his mind to this question. What is it that thus comes? What is it? What is it? Who am I? What am I? What is this? And then finally, eight years later, they were passing, I think, in the hall, and Nanyue um, stopped Huineng and said, you know, do you remember? No. When I first came, <laughs> I, you asked me, what is it that thus comes? And, not, and Huineng, I don't know what Huineng said, actually. And, um, and he said, so, you know, now I understand. And Huineng said, how do you understand? And Nanyue said, to say it is something misses it. And Huineng said, does it depend on practice realization? And Nanyue said, it is not that there is no practice realization. It's just that they cannot be defiled. And Huineng said, this non-defilement is what Buddhas have maintained and transmitted. I am like this. You are like this. All being is like this. I think that's our practice, you know? We practice on the edge of separation. Bye. (laughs) I will miss you. I'm really sorry to leave. Truly, I am. I'm going to miss, the the best part of what I'm going to miss is the relationship with you guys and seeing how everybody's, you know, just blossoming and changing and becoming their own people, you know, person. It's great. So I apologize for that, and I feel a loss in that. And also, I'm going to take care of myself. So thank you very much. Thank you for listening to this podcast offered by the Brooklyn Zen Center. Our programs are given free of charge and made possible by the donations we receive. For more information on supporting Brooklyn Zen Center, please visit the giving section of brooklynzen.org.